0: Welcome to the first episode of the fourth season of the Comics Deserve Better podcast, where we cover the world of independent comics. I am one of your hosts and generous tipper, Brian. Uh, <laughs> Darcy unfortunately can't make it this week uh, and should be rejoining us next week. But uh, with me today is our new permanent host, Carrie. What's up, everyone? <laughs> and that is not all. Uh, we also have a running guest. Oh, sorry, we have a returning guest host, Rebecca Hart.
1: Hi. Yeah. Hi, Rebecca. Hi.
0: Thank you very much for joining us. And...
1: welcome to hosting Carrie.
2: Thank you. Um, I have an unwavering, um underappreciated fan base that absolutely required me to be the co-host. So I was like, you know, I'm I'm listening to the calls of my fandom. I'm, and... I'm very
1: I, I was delighted to hear you be joining. You. I, uh, I very much, I very much enjoyed the other. <laughs> thank and you I think you'll make a nice little trifecta
2: thank you I appreciate well, that I'm glad to be here
0: yeah and it's also great to, ha- to have you Rebecca and thank you yes yeah. and as well as you can probably tell um and today is going to be a very big episode so um and that also includes an interview a little bit later with uh, Tom Ward for our main course so uh let's get to it um first uh One piece of news, uh, real quick, uh, Skybound Entertainment, uh, which is an imprint of Image Comics, as you probably all know, uh, announced that in May, uh, next month, uh, it is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And they will be celebrating AAPI AAPI characters and creators with at least eight variant covers on comics uh, that they are releasing during the month. Artists and comics include Erica Henderson on Firepower, uh, Ethan Young on Walking Dead, and Sue Lee on Stillwater. So super awesome about that.
1: That's really nice.
0: I love Erica Henderson for one, and so <laughs> I definitely am, am all about that. And also um, all, all of the uh, the proceeds are going to be going to API charities. and so we're very happy that Skybound
2: is going ahead and, and creating a fundraiser like this because it's super important.
1: And I think um, I think Kadansha, has a humble bundle of manga at the moment but I they, think
0: oh, cool. they do actually um and that is it,
1: also going to I think going to AAPI charities yeah not... I
0: believe so and that is actually something I meant to to mention so thank you very much That's for so mentioning right. that uh we are huge fans of humble bundle here and as well as supporting charities as especially as important for those are helping the API community so definitely um, and we've covered two Kadansha books on this podcast so far. So yeah, definitely check cool. that out as well. Okay, well, uh, next up is what we are now calling our comic spotlight, uh, which is uh, now where that we pick one comic or comic related thing to recommend either pe- past, present or future. Uh, Rebecca, uh, what would you like to spotlight?
1: Right, well, I've I've not been reading very much recently. So I, underprepared as I am, I thought I would talk about the most recent Kickstarter I backed, which was just a couple of days ago. It's called Lamp Black. Um, And as with almost all new comics at the moment, it has a horror element, but it's a (laughs) fantasy horror comic and it's uh, the arts very Studio Ghibli style. And it's a sort of panoramic comic as well. So it's coming out lengthways. That makes sense
0: oh yeah cool
1: yeah so and it features a black cat <laughs> don't know Yay! why this would trigger my <laughs> at all um and also uh deaf boy so Ooh. let's see what it says it's everything you expect from a coming of age story horrifying ink monsters wondrous forbidden planet uh magic american sign language runaways and a cat um story of friendship family and war set in a fantastical world Um, And they say if you're a fan of Ghibli, Fantastic Beasts, Sabrina or Pokemon, you might enjoy it. And it's called Lamp Black because that's uh, the name of a black pigment pigment made from soot and um, used in paints and stuff. And the lead character, Mabel Aoki, is... Uh, she's an immigrant fam- uh, immigrant family whatever she's an ink girl apparently she can bring to life anything she paints so that's Ooh, the basic oh, that's premise cool. of her which is great and very similar to inkblot there but um, but different and um, it has a female author which is cool. one of the yes. things I'm trying to actively do is in kickstarter is look for some sort of diversity in the creativity. Um, before I just go and back anything. But this one looks lovely. The um, artist is Argentinian, and he's done some work on Moon Knight and other things, you know. he's done, with, with Marvel, apparently, he's done some, like, Moon Knight, Agents of Shield, Thanos, Black Panther. Oh, cool. And he's, he's done some Green Lantern Suicide So The art's really good as well. Um, and it, they also have a deaf graphic artist, Oh um, really? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so there's a certain sort of, um, the, yeah, there's a certain. Or maybe he's maybe um, German Peralta's just done a uh, watercolor to go with it because it then says the artist is Pablo Pepino. He's also from Argentina, though. The colorist is also from Argentina. Letterer is from Argentina. So you know, big. Uh, oh, and they have a deaf culture and ASL consultant cool so you know it just seems like the team seems very solid my big my big the only problem i have with it is i kind of have to go digital because the um the comic is like 15 but with the 23 to ship to the uk which is not anyone's fault that is literally what it costs these days more or less um they actually have an asl variant which is very cool
2: that's super awesome
1: yeah so um i just I was totally grabbed by the art. I wouldn't normally buy horror. Um, uh, But yeah, I'm like, uh, you know, really, I'm quite excited about it. And uh, the nice thing is, it's literally only just started. So let me see when it closes, 25 days to back it. So you've probably got a good like three weeks to to go look at. And I've given Brian the link.
0: Yes,
3: awesome.
1: you can all go have
0: a look at it. I, I'm going to uh, link it in the show notes as well as um, we'll have it out on Twitter and everything. So it it'll uh, if you guys are interested, definitely it'll be right there.
1: Yeah. So I hope hope, hope, cool. hope it's good. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds really it good. It sounds <laughs> really good.
0: Yeah. And yeah. and I, I love that there has been a recent push um, to have um, to have like uh, you know that deaf, deaf or hearing impaired um you know like representation i know like echo in the upcoming ha- right? i know and, and,
4: and
0: i and i recently heard i haven't watched it yet <laughs> i'm going to watch it soon the godzilla um, king kong movie uh, has has a, a deaf person playing a deaf She's person so role. good so i'm so good yeah all about I-, that. I recently you
2: mean it wasn't sia doing the casting
4: <laughs>
2: um just for transparency i work in a classroom with autist like autistic children and god bless them uh the whole sia controversy yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah <laughs> we won't get into
2: it but like yeah. i get super excited when actual representation exists in any sort form of media so yeah. super happy about that that's
0: and, and I actually just dealt with a company at my work um that that translates things into um into ASL and into Braille. And so I actually uh had a tiny bit of down, downtime about a month ago at work and I was teaching myself Braille. Okay. <laughs> and this oh, yeah. is like, this is awesome. And, and I'm not good at it. It's I, I have mad respect uh for anyone who can um who can communicate through braille because one that... of
1: my uh one of my first jobs when i first moved, when we moved back to england um after living in america for a couple of years was and i just was just taking any job not that this is a bad job because i actually really loved it was booking sign language interpreters for the deaf community oh cool uh, so sort of like matching up and then telling the interpreters what the job was and you know like making sure people had uh sign language interpreters for their uh, doctor's appointments giving birth you know the whole thing and it just it gave me this way bigger understanding of what kind of issues there are and like how many times they have to rely on their family when it's not mm-hmm. necessarily appropriate or they don't want to rely on their families mm-hmm. for, like, we, you know like if they're getting a diagnosis from the doctor they don't necessarily want their children uh-huh. to know um and and things like that and and it opened my eyes to just some of the issues i mean obviously you know the issues but you don't know the day-to-day issues yeah necessarily yeah. like you know the general issues like what would it be like if i couldn't uh-huh. hear and uh like so you could there's a certain amount of you know i understand it almost just by guesswork but then this this was like and then just communicating with them to like get yeah. the appointments you know like thank god there's the internet now but um and knowing what all the different types of different levels of sign language interpreting are and, and things like that is, uh, you know, really interesting.
0: That's very right. yeah. cool. Absolutely, okay. Well, Carrie, yes. uh, how about yourself? Uh, oh, let me, um, yeah. oh,
4: so
2: I think this was talked about before, but since I'm a noob, I will mention it again. So, Beneath the Dead Oak Tree by Emily Carroll, um, it's from, or I don't know, I read it through short box, but, um, their little thing about it says murder, decadence, cowardice, guilt, and aristocratic boxes and wigs all combined in this gorgeously poignant poem slash folk song from Emily Carroll about the futility and heartbreak one can run into when dealing with vengeance. Mm -hmm. Um, Brian got this in a short short box last year, and I stole it from him just because the cover, um, is all black with like a very cute red uh, fox wearing a red dress, and I was like, "Oh, this totally is totally
1: get me." <laughs> yeah, that, it
2: totally did. I was like, "I want to read this," and um, it's kind of like gore and horror. Um, it makes me feel things I didn't know I could feel about a fox. I was like, "This is sort of sexy," and I don't know if I should feel that this is sexy. Come on, Robin, <laughs> come, <laughs> on. Disney's Robin Hood. come on, this is Come on. So it um, it's really. It's short. It's very succinct. It's definitely um, a fun read. Emily Carroll is an amazing writer. Uh, I didn't know it was like a folk song because I read it as just like a lyrical poem. I was like, oh, this is really cool. So when the fact that they just described it as a folk song, I'm like, yeah, this totally like feels like that. So it's super cool. Um, It's very short, so if you're like me with a short attention span, it's a great read. Um, The coloring's exquisite. She's very, very, I believe she does all of the work, and she's very um, particular about the colors that she uses to kind of highlight what's happening in the scene. Um, You won't be disappointed if you like gore, so uh, that's a spoiler alert for the end of it, but it's really good, and um, I think for someone who like, I will never not say this. Um, I am someone who, and Brian and I have talked about this extensively because he's also like my in-house therapist. Uh, I don't like visual media because it makes me feel things I don't want to feel. If it's not something stupid and funny, I don't want to watch it. I don't want to read it. Um, As far as like a comic book thing. So like, if it's like a sad story, a horror story, something macabre, something about like family trauma, and it's just written, I can read a book like that for days. The minute that there's a visual component to it, I'm like, this is, my senses are overloaded. I don't, I'm feeling now like I'm in that situation. I feel yucky. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to, I don't want to read it. So um, the fact that I'm slowly and surely getting into comics and the and I can pull from my past I'm like Wait, I actually read this this and that like I actually really do like mm-hmm. them so if you're like me who's just getting into them and not knowing what to read just go go with your gut on this one it's seven bucks it's not going to hurt your wallet or you um it's available digitally if shipping's an issue so that's always nice too but I definitely Sounds like awesome. it yeah Emily Carroll is really cool
0: yeah I I definitely enjoyed it as well when I, when I had read it um and we, yeah, you know, we did. I did like a quick short, short box uh, review a few episodes ago, like season two, I think maybe. So, 20, about 20 episodes ago. <laughs> um, so, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's wonderful. I, I totally agree. I'm glad that you liked it. Yeah, okay. I did. Okay. Well, my spotlight, uh, just, just like Rebecca's, you're going to figure out exactly why I, I like this right away. <laughs> Was uh, is um, Beast of Burden, uh, occupied territory number one by Evan Dorkin, Sarah Dyer, Benjamin Dewey, and Nate Piecos, um, published by Dark Horse Comics. Uh, so, uh, Beast of Burden is it's a paranormal mystery comic that uh focuses on a pack of dogs and a few t- other types of animals, um, that protect their town from spooky occurrences, and so the the dog element is one of the big things that, that have drawn me to this as well as kind of like the paranormal uh slant to it as well um it is a returning series so this is a number one and i know that there's some false number ones out there that um you know you, a, a, someone new to the series is going to pick it up and be like i have no idea what's going on why is this a number one and this is not that case um i i even though I definitely recommend the rest of the series, you can pick up Occupied Territory Number One, and all you know is that it's about dogs that can talk in some mysteries, and and then you can go from there. You know, um, the story is a flashback story in this one. It takes place just after World War II in northern Japan, and uh, it retains like the the fun and charm from the previous series that have happened before. Evan Dorkin is, um, in my opinion, like a very genius writer and someone you would you would not expect to be good with like the macabre and good with like you know like spooky stories uh but he just nails it with this and other kind of spooky books that he's written in the past as well so i i definitely like like that as much That's cool. um art is great um Benjamin Dewey nails it uh, the dogs look amazing <laughs> they're they're <laughs> wonderful and beautiful and, and since this is a a, a comic about a pack of dogs and it's a bunch of different dogs it's not just one type of dog it's it's definitely a big uh a big like of mine and um there there is because it is it is a paranormal story it's an investigation story it's kind of serious um there is danger and there is violence that happens to the animals um that is a trigger warning but it's nothing graphic or obscene and it's as much as you would see like a human uh, going through the same situation because the dogs. Humans and, and... can die, not a dog. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there is, but, but I think it's handled gracefully. Um Like if, right. if that makes any sense. I mean, look,
1: to, to be fair, I'm at the point now where I think like you're both animal lovers. <laughs> if, if you can read it and not like weep, then I think I can probably manage.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> I absolutely that's do.
1: that's what we really need to know Brian did you... <laughs> um,
0: yeah, did you cry I, oh did I cry oh no I'm sorry I lost my I lost audio there for a second um no um, um
1: right so I think I'll it, be fine <laughs> it, it, in,
0: in in the past in the okay. past I um I, on, on previous series there's a couple situations where I get three I am a big crier so he, oh yeah I, no, I
1: mean I think I think I'm I'm it was. The last year I seem to have lost it a bit, a year yeah. and a half from reading. I think it's because in the same way as I'm just not reading, whereas I was. I tear up a lot now, rather yeah. than actually like I, fully I, tip over the edge.
0: So... I, I, I he, just watched Nomad Land yesterday. Um oh, and,
1: right. I and, really want to see that. And and,
0: and and like Carrie's like, oh, what's it about? And I'm like, he
1: oh. picks up
2: Johnny to hug him as he's telling me, oh, it's really good. Yeah. Like, no, I want nothing to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. We Sweet. don't have enough dogs
4: <laughs> <No>. to cuddle. <laughs>
1: yeah. We do have enough cats. <laughs> just don't cuddle when you want them to. <laughs> that definitely happens.
0: Now it's time for our main course of the episode. And this week we welcome the creator of Merrick, the sensational elephant man that has a current campaign on Kickstarter, Tom Ward.
3: Hi everyone.
0: Hi. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, Would you like to give us a quick rundown about the Merrick series?
3: Okay. So um, Merrick, the sensational elephant man is a kind of pulp, pulp historical comic that starts off that way and kind of evolves more towards a Bronze Age superhero vibe as well, kind of in the spirit of the old Penny Dreadful books Um, we've been doing it for a while now Um, we started in 2014 put the first issue out for a free download which you can still download today um, at www.merrickcomic.co.uk and um, since that since then we've done 11 single issues we've done um, the first ever Kickstarter crossover issue I believe Um, We've done a spin-off, kind of graphic novella, um, and we've just finished, actually, the Kickstarter for our second um, collected edition trade paperback. So um, we've been quite busy um, as, like, a purely kind of self-published independent situation and um, actually made quite a lot of books. It's definitely one of the, uh, like,
1: more prominent successes, I think, of like British comics on Kickstarter, like in terms of how many issues you've had and
3: I think building up sure. a following and yeah. stuff like that. We 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 might not get kind of like the biggest numbers on Kickstarter, or you know, they kind of hit the biggest goals. But I think consistently, we're, we're one of the highest kind of issue numbers series. I know there's like um, Dan Butcher's Vanguard's up to like issue nineteen, um, and Joe Glass's The Pride. He's Joe's probably got about fifteen issues, maybe. I know he's just, he's
1: got an omnibus coming out. So it's got to yeah, be enough issues for an omnibus. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's like, yeah, we, we've got to be up there. I'm quite confident we're, we're one of the higher, kind of longer running series, which is really cool because um, I really love long, long kind of form comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know the advice when you get into it is often do a couple of short stories or like some single issues. And I was just like, no, we're just going to go for the full ongoing series straight in Um, and it's it's gone well yeah that it definitely has
0: and it's a very very nice uh product that you are creating and um now since we are talking about kickstarter what are like the pros and cons of like working directly through kickstarter than like a say
3: a publisher um well i'm done well i recently kind of got involved with a publisher for the first time and um I, i will say the pros of kickstarter definitely outweighed that um you've got to be prepared to do a lot of the legwork yourself i mean if, if you just want to write comics or draw comics like that's not going to be enough um if you're going to go down the kind of self-published kickstarter route, you really do have to be willing to kind of do the promotional stuff and then just the kind of the boring stuff the admin the spreadsheets um you know sitting there packing books up going to the post office um i don't think people possibly don't realize how much kind of legwork there is involved um because you 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 know you're doing everything yourself from the from the creative side of it to you know working in the warehouse essentially um Mm -hmm. and the more stuff the more kind of backers you get and the more books you're sending out the more you know the more space you need to, you know, you can see behind me on, on, on the webcam there how many boxes kind of my spare room's <laughs> full of. Uh, no, I totally understand Being that. able to buy packaging in bulk, um, sitting there in front of the TV, bagging and boarding single issues for hours and hours and hours, uh, and then, you know, putting them all in the envelopes, filling out hundreds and hundreds of custom sheets. So you do really have to be invested enough in, in wanting to do it, to do all the uh, the not-so-fun stuff. And
1: then I guess also being on top of like uh, not unexpected changes, but like surprising changes, like when the post just rockets up to various places, and Brexit means you have to start doing different customs things. Yeah, I know, I know. I've just seen you guys all talking about it, and like you seem to be one of the people more on top of it. But like you said, the more you're sending out, the more complicated it gets.
3: You've got to you've got to definitely think ahead, and like you say, you've got to be flexible. And like, think fast, like if stuff (laughs) starts going wrong or changing, you've got to figure out what you're going to do to, to make sure, you know, you're going to get through it. Um, the Kickstarter we did before this, I was fulfilling that in December. So that one really was a race against time. Because Brexit was coming in on the thirty first, yeah. So uh, I was I was desperately prioritising those European packages and, right. and getting them down to the post office as fast as possible. And even then, you're talking to the post office and they don't even know what was going on. Like that's how bad it was. Oh wow! Um, so yeah. luckily we got that cleared. And and now before I start this one, I got, you know stuffs kind of started to settle down. People know what the score is a little bit more. At least you can get like quotes again and and. Mm-hmm times and how long should stuff, stuff, stuff should take so um fingers crossed everything's prepared for this one and it's gonna be really fast but yeah like you say you know you you, you do have to be flexible you're gonna get messages off people saying the books haven't turned up you've got to fix all the things stuff might get damaged you've got to think about basically anything could happen <laughs> it really is a crazy game Kickstarter comics
0: oh yeah it, it definitely sounds like it. and then it sounds like like yeah brexit has not made it easier like not surprised there but still that's (laughs) that's insane um because i mean you know i i can i've tried to mail things internationally like just on a personal level and i know how hard that could be and so just sending out like you know bunch of of books and bunch of material that obviously you don't want to get damaged and and you're sending all over the world it's just yeah i can just (laughs)
2: No. i got <laughs> panicky listening to mm-hmm. you talk
3: about yeah. it <laughs> like, oh, the, no. most nerve, uh, the most nerve-wracking part is making sure like you, you you can you know you've got to estimate your pack and you're going to work out how much post is going to cost but until you actually get to the post office and, and get it mailed out you you know it really is your heart's in your mouth like have mm-hmm. i got this right because if yeah. i don't have this right wow this could be <laughs> a really expensive mistake yeah. um on the last kickstarter we did i took a I was taking the books down um because of the pandemic we you know there was huge queues outside constantly there still are and um, so they weren't letting me dump you know 20 30 40 50 100 books at a time you know they'd only do like 10 at a time and i put a batch through and i was like wow that's expensive That is that right that's really expensive and i got home and i double checked anything and i was like oh my god i've messed up so bad like <laughs> like this is going to cost me like hundreds, if not thousands of pounds. And then I, I went over it all. I was like, How have I done this? How have I made this mistake? And the girl at the post office had put them through as um small parcels rather than large letters, which they should have gone through. And it was like, Wow, that was so much more expensive than it needed to be. And because I hadn't said anything at the time, there's nothing you could do about it that you couldn't get yeah, a refund.
4: Yeah. just yeah. going to
3: swallow swallow this and and just next time i go down it's like these are large letters these are not small parcels please <laughs> um but yeah I, I was worried if that one oh man <laughs> and
0: i'm i'm a very much a, a, like when it comes to stuff like that very much just, like seat on my own pants Type of person, and I literally will go down there with a package and be like, "Okay, tell me how much is this is going to cost." <laughs>
3: you know, I, uh, I don't do it. I get it. I get
1: it all written on my packages before I <laughs> <Yeah. count. laughs> I, live with, I live with somebody very precise, saying, "You will ask for large letter. It should yeah. cost you this much. If it costs any more." question it and i'm like oh god like, like yeah
0: nice. this that, is
4: very
2: brian has strict orders that if it costs more than a certain amount he's
0: to leave yeah i'm like not, we're not not with the that. package i just leave the package there you know so on on kickstarter though um one thing i i can imagine too is like the people management like you know because um you know you're 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 dealing with a few other people like to to create the comic um like how 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 is that like is, is that pretty difficult or
3: is it so the, the, the team we've got on this book is great. Um, mm-hmm. it it's changed slightly since issue one. Um, the art the artist Luke Parker has been on every issue, I've written every issue. Um, the only kind of the lineup that's changed is the lethra mm-hmm. Um now we've got Micah Myers who's done books for everyone basically. Um, he came up with us from issue five. But like as a team um, we I think we work really well together. Uh, like we, we kind of we've done so many issues together now that it really is kind of second nature working with each other. Um, me and Luke definitely have the same kind of ideas and the same background in what we like and and what we what we want to see. So the scripts even there's less and less I really have to write because we really are on the same page. Um. You know, the minute we're vibing on an idea, we're very much in the same ballpark from the start. Um, Mika is great letterer, uh, really fast. Um, virtually, virtually between us, there's very little notes. It's kind of like I do my thing, um, Luke does his thing, Ma- Mika does his thing, and it's great because everyone's really good at what they do. I think mm-hmm. everyone's enjoying working on the book. It, there's not like oh, you need to redraw this or you know this yeah. script doesn't make sense. It's it's very much. Um, Quite a, once we get going, quite fast moving. Um, everyone's on the same page, awesome. and I think we put out a good book. Um, we've kind of got a good relationship with uh, the printer who we've been using now, so that's really really smooth. I don't really shop around and, and get all the pr- all the quotes or anything because you know there's like like a loyalty there, isn't there? It's it's like we work well together. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's an independent guy as well. You want to support them. Um, and why broke what's what you know why fix what's not broke Mm -hmm. Uh, just keep it streamlined as possible because like i said there's so much to do like you don't need to make new jobs for yourself um if you've got something that's working like just keep going with it
0: awesome definitely and yeah and you know the printer is doing the job right so you might just keep going yeah yeah (laughs) and it's all about relationships too
2: um tom i was wondering what was the like so the character of Merrick, he is the elephant man. What is your inspiration for all of it? Because like I said, I have, um, I have a tendency to not go for a lot of visual media, which is funny because now I'm a third host of this podcast. So that'll be a fun journey, but, um, you know, it really drew me in. I loved the character. My favorite bit was um, Joseph wearing a jaunty little bow tie at the opera and with his opera glasses. I love her <laughs> at the theater. That was my favorite part. Um, it was just adorable. So what was kind of like the inspiration for the story? Because like I said, it's just, it drew me in immediately.
3: So obviously uh, Joseph Mayer was a real person. Um, he, he was the elephant man, um, you know, the beginning of the series is based on the true story so the, the people the places um and you know a lot of the quotes are all historically accurate obviously after that it kind of goes off the rails and turns into more of a outlandish pulpy comic book adventure but um i think there is that kind of innate hook that people have heard of the person heard of you know the concept of the elephant man that, that does help as opposed to you know doing a series that's completely completely fresh idea there's nothing already kind of living in people's heads. So the initial kind of idea that I had, I was basically just really bored in work. Um just thinking about comics, as I'm sure everyone who has had a boring job has done. <laughs> I was just kind of thinking about, you know, kind of the way kind of superheroes go. And I was thinking about you know Batman and Spider-Man and Ant Man and Hawkman and how it's almost quite ludicrous how it's just like an animal name of an animal and then man on the end and, like, <laughs> putting these books out. and i was like i was just thinking about it and i was like i wonder if there's any that's really obvious that haven't been done and i was like elephant man sounds quite quite cool you know a superhero like with the strength of an elephant or the like tough skin of an elephant maybe has like a photographic memory because elephants never forget <laughs> like, ah, that'd be good has, has anyone done that and then i was like well actually there was the real guy and i was like let's have a look, see if it's ever been done. It's not. But then I got on the Wikipedia page for Joseph Merrick and the more I read about the actual true story, the more I was like, well, this is actually really cool. Um, and it just kind of like sparked my imagination. And then when I started seeing, um, you know, other interesting links from that and reading around the whole subject, it just, it really just came together for me. Like um, Frederick Treves, the doctor at the hospital, he really was best friends with Thomas Hardy who was really into you know the idea of the oh, really? ghosts and stuff yeah oh and, i never
1: knew that that's cool
3: and he and was an, in, a um... notoriously
1: pretty nasty guy like uh, to his wife i should say
3: oh, oh yeah wow. I, yeah he, he yeah he wasn't the best um, but no
1: i mean he he they he built a separate staircase in his house so he wouldn't even cross paths with her in the house wow and then when she died he wrote um, books of love poems to her, which became ridiculously successful, um, which is one that I just, I love Hardy. I think he's, I think he's wonderful. I once met somebody who'd lived, who lived in the same village he was from and okay. said that apparently he used to go and buy eggs one at a time. He was that stupid. <laughs> and it was just like going, I kind of love all these like, little, like cause people put these writers on such a pedestal, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like especially, you know, he's best known for writing some of the most beautiful prose in English. Um, descriptive prose. And, uh, yeah, he was just, you know, it's nice to know they have flaws, you know? Yeah. So I Everyone, loved seeing Thomas Hardy in it because that's you know. Everyone's a real
3: person, aren't they? Like, that, I think that's what we kind of deal with in the comic is like, especially in this comic, I, I don't think people are necessarily good characters or bad characters. They're just characters. Oh, um, okay. um. But And um, so Frederick Treves as well was in a uh, private members club with Arthur Conan Doyle. Who obviously is another huge one um alongside thomas hardy um i i'm a huge sherlock holmes fan love love that stuff yeah. um of conan doyle was also kind of you know he believed in fairies and uh you know seances he got really into spiritualism and that kind of stuff like supernatural stuff is really the kind of stuff i love in like in fiction so once i had that solid link that was just the base for everything um and so another big thing is um, in the true story of Joseph Merrick, um, in the paperwork that Frederick Treves filled in, like he listed it as John Merrick, which is a lot of people know him as John Merrick um, in the David Lynch film. And, uh, you know, other popular culture is kind of referred to as that sometimes. Um, and my kind of researchers have found out that um, Frederick Treves knew his name was Joseph and not John. So why did he put this down? And that kind of just sparked the idea that, you know, something else was going on there. Um, that never really got worked into the comic, or hasn't so far. But that was just, you know, maybe there's something not not on the level with this guy, which is just mm-hmm. another interesting thing to kind of really push the story forward.
0: Yeah, ha- having having trees kind of be, you know, in that like secondary position with with Merrick, and usually that position's kind of. You know, like the the like the Watson. You know, like the kind of the the person that ideas are bounced off of, and not not necessarily a, a, a scrupulous person. But I, I liked that how Treves was definitely like as you said, like kind of a real person and definitely morally gray, if not a little bit black. You know,
3: yeah, he's quite a bad guy, really. Quite, quite Like once we started going down that route, I was like, I like him. I like I like how bad he is. Let's 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 make him bad um that's funny so selfish
0: when
2: i was reading it i i forget what issue it was but i turned to brian i'm like is he supposed to be a dick like i'm really
1: confused i'm like i think he was helping him i like that because that's what we're not used to that and i like having that sort of you know it's another people are three-dimensional and and do have to make weird decisions especially medical ethics absolutely so uh yeah, you know, especially if you're on that, that research area, you know, there's all sorts of things going on that
0: exactly. And and with the research as well as and you had mentioned before about the uh, the superhero tropes of like you know Spider-Man and Batman and stuff like that. I love the fact that you you also had the superhero trope of having an enemy be the
3: man elephant as well. And I, yeah, I particularly
1: like that. <laughs> yeah,
3: that was that, that was always gonna happen, wasn't it? That was like yeah. <laughs> Kind of what we've been doing with this series is, is all about like stuff I love in, in comics, yeah. superhero comics. And it's almost like I have a bit of a list in my head of, of the different things you want to go through. So it's like obviously the crossover issue and then, you know, the issue when he's not the elephant man anymore, but he has to go back. Yeah, yeah. and the, um, Obviously, the elephant man has to face man elephant, like the kind of mirror image of themselves, isn't it? It's just playing with all those tropes and just having like a lot of fun with it.
1: But I like how it's more a uh, homage than feels like than a parody because we have yeah. a lot of sort of like, you know there's a lot of sort of parodies of that now and like slightly satirical jabs at it and this is just more like I yeah I want to hit these notes but within I'm not going to break my story to do it like yeah. I, I know I feel like you're going to go out of character just to force that in like they all happen organically
0: yeah
3: with yeah experience. it's more. More like a like a like a sincere love letter to everything that I like about comics. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah,
3: um, like you say, it, I don't want to force anything or, um, you know, kind of break 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 the kind of you know the world that we're kind of making with it because I am taking it all very seriously and I do want to do this big long run um, and get as much as I like in there and as everything I want to do. Uh, like we've been talking about doing like a black and white like indie comics kind of you know like a love and rockets kind of issue <laughs> yeah yeah really throw everyone off where the characters just like hang out in a coffee shop and talk about their feelings or something um and you know that seems really out of left wing and um you know might turn off a lot of people who, who like the action stuff and the horror stuff and, and and the mystery but um just to have one issue and just be completely out there and do something completely different i think that would just be so much fun and Absolutely. just keep playing with different things like that oh, no, i think it's totally. also
1: nice for the team as well isn't it give yes. you all something a bit different give luke a bit something a bit different and
3: well yeah i i worry about um you know retreading the same ground all the time um which you know superhero comics i think can get quite guilty of that and um, so i definitely do want to experiment and i think everyone on the team is trying to get better as well so I don't want to write the same thing over and over again and do the, you know, the same two-parter or the same four-parter. So we're kind of experimenting with different issue arc lengths and um, cool. experimenting with different kind of... like We almost play with different genres within the series. So we'll do like, you know, the pulpy stuff or the horror stuff or the more straight-up adventure superhero-y stuff. Um, and it's just about using this series to, to play with, basically, and have fun with all the things we love about comics.
1: You can definitely see it getting better as you go. Oh yeah, well. like you know, I mean, like that's not a d- disparaging because you know, like, even issue like I read issue one, um, and and it was still like one of the Kickstarter comics that I have bought. That I mean, I didn't buy it from Kickstarter; I bought it from Yukon. But like, <laughs> uh, if I had been, you know, when you buy kicks, you're never really sure if the people putting them together are are good or not, I mean, you just don't know because there's one thing marketing it and there's another thing reading it. And, and and you're reading it and you're like, huh, this is good. That's like always the first reaction is like, huh, it's good. And then, <laughs> but but within that, you can definitely see a progression in both the art and the and the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, I, I but, agree. and it happens quite quickly. I think I think you bed in within the first few issues, and then it's That's, just, oh, okay. you know. I think and then five, right. we definitely
3: jump up. And yeah, we up a notch from five. I think I got more confident with the kind of known what. I was doing writing wise um i think once once you've done the first part you can look back at it and and because that was like the first comic both of us have done right so look being able to look back and go okay this is i still really love those first four issues but like and i probably wouldn't do them any different but i definitely thought well this is a little bit extended i could you know compress more in this like what have we learned what do what do we think we can do better like it definitely about... holds
1: up so it's not like yeah, yeah i, I, I just means, really good
3: yeah. um luke is a lot harsher on his art uh like <laughs> think, I I I to that's the nature of artists
4: me. isn't yeah.
3: <laughs> um, it um but yeah uh i, I definitely think we, we kicked it up a notch we definitely got better um even just think from like a production side like because you know we don't have a publisher paying page rates or anything We're, like i have to be um, like aware of you know how much an issue is costing to kind of produce, how much it's costing to print. So the kind of compressed style that we've kind of worked towards, and, and I feel like we're kind of honing a little bit, is actually because you know we don't want any filler at all. I want to get the most out of every page. Um, I, I want to kind of efficiency of what we're printing and efficiency of what people are reading. Um, just to make it more viable to keep going, get through as much story as possible, basically.
0: And that shows a lot, the, the, that actually is, is very much, shows the, the genius between, between you and Tom, between you, Tom, and, and Luke. And because, um, like, a lot of times in that situation, uh, I think writers would overwrite and there would be too much text on a comic book page and, and you guys definitely tell the story through through the visuals, uh, more more than 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 text which is definitely something that a visual medium like com- comic should do so it's definitely nice
3: thank you i do have um you know alan moore's quote like like taped to my desk about 210 pages of words sorry 210 words a page six panels with 35 words a panel and 25 words max in a balloon and I break that all the time That's just, awesome. um, <laughs> so I, I definitely do have pages with too much text on but it's like hmm, if I've got to do two pages or one page I'll take the one page every time but uh I think we do leave a lot of breathing room there's often pages with you know no one saying anything to really let Luke's art shine um so yeah I think we we're, we're, we're Probably maybe veering towards too much in an issue, um, but we're still we're still you know learning basically still trying to perfect it.
1: How did you find Luke? Like, how did you get together? Because like your styles, are, I mean, he's perfect for it, and you know, and like you know that you want to write, and he's like almost the. I mean, he's he's so good at like that sort of penny dreadful, pulpy, but still expressive. Yeah, totally um, art.
3: How does anyone meet anyone? Internet.
1: Any- I don't know. Like, well, I, you know,
3: <laughs> I'm old boards. school.
1: I don't know.
3: Yeah, the Go old, school. the old. Uh, yeah, it kind of is old school. Message boards now. You but know, you before- locked
1: out, mate. you locked yeah, out. Yeah.
3: Before um, <laughs> the internet was condensed down to like three different websites or whatever, where <laughs> message boards. Um, yeah, there was a there was a writers seeking artists, artists seeking writers kind of forum. Um, and I actually saw him post his portfolio for someone else's project but i was just kind of browsing through and i'd had someone else kind of lined up who dropped out to do video game design work and so the kind of whole comic had gone on a bit on the back burner for me i'd had the four scripts ready sat there and i was literally just trying to find someone because i just got it into my head wanted to make a comic so i did everything i could by myself first so those first four issues were completely finished completely written edited Uh Um, ready to go and then that was the point where I couldn't do any more by myself trying to find an artist obviously I'd never done that before so that was a learning curve in itself Um, saw Luke's portfolio link I was like this guy would be great for this it it really would be a a perfect match so because I had so much done it it was really kind of the same as pitching to a publisher I just pitched to Luke Um, I said you know I've got this idea here's like a, a synopsis of, of what it's about. I've got the first four scripts completely written if you want to check them out and see what you think. um, I've seen Kickstarter. Have you seen Kickstarter? It was quite new back then. Um, <laughs> I, I I was like, I, we could try and send it to our publisher, but I don't know how to do that. But I've seen this website, Kickstarter, and I've, I've backed some comics and they've been pretty good. And I think this is the kind of thing that I could do. Um, So we could take it to Kickstarter and, and do the rest. Um, So... He was like yeah this is this is cool we did the first full first issue and we released that for free and um, the first day the Kickstarter launched so that was a, a big thing that we did that most people don't. Um, it was like rather than here's some pages of a comic we need money to make it it was like we made this comic you can read it for free if you like it and you want to see more like you know we want to do more but we can't like do it off our own backs anymore. Um, and yeah we funded the first four issues on our first Kickstarter which was great.
1: Was it and, how nerve-wracking
3: was that the first one? Yeah, we really scraped it by by you know the skin of our teeth, that one. Wow. Um doing four issues was probably really ambitious. <laughs> probably should have just tried to print the first one, but um, you know, didn't know what we were doing, just making it up we were going along. Um, we did it like a subscription as well, so it wasn't even um a case of making these issues and sending them out. It was like we 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 funded all four, and every time one was printed, um, we sent them out. Which was pretty crazy. I don't, I don't, I don't, think you see many people do that at all. No,
1: and you, that's what you did with the last one as well as I'm I mean, not the just the last we, one because that was the volume, right? But the one before that, you're
3: still doing. We've that. always funded it by yeah. by story arcs. Um, I think one thing about Kickstarter and indie comics in general is is people are worried they're not gonna see the end of a story
4: because
3: mm-hmm. um, you know it is really hard to make a comic or make two comics. But it's really, really hard. You you know you see so many people at conventions, they got one book or they got two books, and they just kind of drop off the face of the earth a little bit because it's really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so to know that people were getting a full full chunk of story, I think, was in our favor as well.
1: I, I it's one of the things I I found like really good once I switched to the kickstarters, having read the first volume. So is is that I'm paying for it, and I'm just going to get these comics. Like regular, nice, semi regular. Like, it is nice. It's like because you know you've paid for it. It's what you'd pay for other things, and but you get the bits of the story as and when they're ready. And
3: it's like a little mini subscription, really.
1: Yeah, it's like of. it's like doing a little pull list, but but with a team that's not going through a big publisher and having to go through a big comic shop and blah blah. blah. Yeah,
3: and and the way we see it, it shouldn't be any different. Like um, you know, <laughs> comics. From, we we you know we're working with the exact same thing as everyone else we you know we can use whatever paper whatever printers um we're just you know drawing on the same paper there's literally no difference what anyone can do themselves at home than what any of the big publishers can do all they've got is bigger distribution basically and um, there's no reason why self-published stuff can't be as good if not better i mean um you, you've seen our print quality like on our single issues it's I don't think there's many nice. it's really good. Better than that.
1: It is no, it's really good. And you always send it out beautifully. It's all a proper bagged all bagged and yeah, beautiful.
3: It's a proper like boutique like nerd thing on my yeah. part. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like trying to get like wanting the nice textured paper and, and sending out all bagged and board because I wanted it to turn up like pristine condition. Um, it's not like a Marvel or a DC comic that's on cheap, thin, glossy paper that's like falling apart as you read it, or the ink smudging—it really is. I hope an item that people want to keep and collect.
1: Yeah, I mean, like it's, I—it's just really nice to receive one like that, and um, I think you're right. It's like, uh, yeah, it's—it's it's appreciated, Tom.
0: It's appreciated. Thanks,
3: thanks, yeah, mate. appreciate that.
0: <laughs> the the quality in the love is definitely obvious, so it's great.
1: But I also like that you do the all the options like the digital copies because yeah. as we know shipping is now gross um across you know across countries so um you know like some kickstarters have have got not done the the uh digital copies That's absolutely crazy uh,
3: to me when people don't yeah, do it I don't I
1: don't get it at all and uh but then you also do the volume ones like like you've just done so mm. Um, you don't sort of try and tie it all together, you know, like do it all in one huge one. You're like, this is our regular one if you're on the singles. This is our regular one if you're on the volumes. So
3: Yeah, there's, there's someone for everyone. Um, I I kind of look at the, the single issues as kind of like seven inch vinyl or something that are really nice and collectible <laughs> and people want to keep and, and, and you know, keep and collect. And um, that's why they're all numbered out of 500. And I, I try to make sure they get to people in like really nice condition. And then the paperback is... You know your standard kind of CD album that you know is a bit more disposable, a bit cheaper, and it can sit on your bookshelf and it's really nice. Um, <laughs> and hopefully, we'll do like a really nice hardcover, oversized. Probably go all out on that and make That'll another really lovely. nice item. Um, but yeah, digital. I <laughs> so, so yeah, I, that's something that i want to see like that's another yeah, yeah. thing like uh, uh, you know like a quality nerd thing is that, like i've got i we've, I think we yeah. have a lot of ideas to go all out for something like that when we've got some more issues um but yeah and digital is really important and it, it really is crazy to me that people come on stuff like kickstarter because they want to support your book and help make it happen and people have got like a fear of piracy to the point is where they're shooting their own foot off. Uh, um, why, like, why wouldn't you want people to digitally read your book? They, they're trying to come to you, and, and you're making it hard for them. Especially mm-hmm. when a lot of these campaigns that don't do it are just so massively overpriced, and they got yeah. shipping that's like five times as much as a book. It, like, I don't understand um, why you would sabotage yourself that way.
0: Yeah, I I'm in California and I love a lot of, actually most of the kickstarters I end up um, supporting is through Rebecca so it's a lot of UK <laughs> kickstarters. And so I um I um it, I definitely have felt the, the 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 problems with with the shipping costs before so I definitely appreciate the digital as well. But it's also nice to have something tangible especially something as quality as, as your as your comic in 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 your hands so so
3: I mean, I mean, looking at like our last Kickstarter is just finished. Like we're using um, like economy overland sh- international shipping, so it takes a bit longer. And from what I've experimented with, it doesn't take that much longer. It still it still seems to be turning up within two weeks, which I think is is fine, especially if, like a Kickstarter book, as long as it's turning up on the, you know the estimated delivery date. I think that's fine. And we, we've got international postage down really low. I don't think that there's any need for a UK person anyway to be doing, um, you know, mis- when you see campaigns like mystery shipping, it's like, buy the book. We'll, we'll tell you how much the shipping costs later. Like, <laughs> I think that's another crazy one. Yeah. Um, like, if you put the effort and the time in, you can figure it out. Like, there's ways around it. And again, I know shipping is so much more expensive from America, from people that I know who've been making books over there. Um, so I always generally go for the digital... Um, the digital kind of option, and if you're like an international backup and you haven't got a digital option, I'm probably not gonna spend thirty quid to post it's, a it's, single paperback. Abso- really. Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> yeah. been
1: the same with me. It's like it, you know, because the majority of them are from America, probably. Uh, yeah, there's a, I, if if there's no digital copy, I'm not gonna pay thirty dollars just to ship something that mm-hmm. I paid wild, seven dollars for. Like, yeah, it's it's just. I mean, you know, and they are often comics that I really want, but I, I can't def- like I don't have that kind of extra money to just yeah. blow on
3: shipping. as a creator, digital's brilliant. I mean, it's so fast. like we've fulfilled the digital element of our last game campaign like five days after the campaign finished. Um, I upload it to Dropbox, I send the files to everyone. like it's just, it's fast, it's easy. I've made money like they can go towards you know buying packaging or envelopes or printing costs um i don't know why you you kind of not want that
0: yeah i love diverse voices in in comics or any kind of media and digital definitely helps promote that because it gives kind of everyone a chance to to read as well as a chance to publish
3: it's more accessible as well isn't it You Mm you can zoom in you can you know storage space it really is just another option and it's just you know it's perfect for some people
0: I don't know if you can see me well but I have the thickest glasses in the world <laughs> they are literally wow, that's bottle glasses. that this is what they're talking about and, um, and so I love the zoom in option when it comes to reading comics <laughs>
1: So the other thing Tom that I don't know if the others know about but I I put this in the question list because I know about it kitchen con explain kitchen con and uh, what it feels <laughs> to be ahead a of the curve on the virtual comic convention
3: So oh, yeah um uh, kitchen con um, came about with me couldn't be asked going to comic cons anymore um so it wasn't even a pandemic thing Pre-pandemic, I was like, I could go to a Comic-Con, I could spend three hours driving, um, 20 hours still behind the table at a weekend, pay 200 quid for the, um, you know, the honour of being there, or I could just set my books up on my kitchen table and stream live on Twitter for an hour. So I decided I'd do that instead. Um, I did a few of them, and I think it was quite cool. Uh, it was it like a joke. Um, yeah but more and more people got involved and um, it was really nice seeing people like taking it seriously and talking about their books. Um, and now since the pandemic, I think more and more people have done similar things. Um, I don't know. They have tried to like charge entry or charge table. <laughs> like, that's kind of wild to me because I was yeah. just like, I'm going to just do this on my phone. If anyone else wants to do it at the same time, you know, it's this date, this time, everyone's welcome to get involved purely because I can't stop you. Like, let, let's let's just do our own things. Um and but yeah, how many
1: people I, did you have at the last one? It was it crazy, was, you know. It
3: was like it must a have significant been significant
1: number yeah. of people, yeah. Yeah,
3: up to about 20 people, yeah. Each of them each of them did an hour. I watched That's every awesome. one of them the day after. Yeah, um, I
1: watched all of them.
3: And it's uh, again like accessibility. Um, you know, anyone could do it from anywhere in the world um and promote their what they're making, talk about what they're making, show their books. And put links to their websites and people definitely were getting sales as well and it's uh, you know zero cost um very small kind of investment of time so i think that was really good for a lot of people um i sold some books i, I know a lot of other people were saying they sold some books even if it's not many it was an hour a day um, and yeah. some of the videos had hundreds and hundreds of people that watched them um so you know i i got twitter followers i'm sure other people got twitter followers it was i think it was just a <laughs> i thought it was really good and um, i really wanted to do a christmas special with the christmas tree <laughs> and the fire. i wanted to go all out get like a bottle of eggnog or something and just like <laughs> proper awesome. get really cheesy um but like time just wasn't happening um, i think i think I,
1: during the pandemic it's still been a bit mad for everyone but like yeah uh, it feels
3: like non-stop at the same time is nothing happening doesn't it
4: yeah
1: so yeah.
3: um yeah, I wanted to do one on the last day of the Kickstarter, but uh, you know we got this dog, so that went out the window. <laughs> so, um,
1: Sometimes but, uh, dogs take priority.
3: Yeah, cool, yeah. We- we'll do another one soon, and-, and hopefully get more people involved. Um, because yeah, it's just fun. Like, awesome. Yeah, there's so many. And it's an- that- it's
1: another way that like indie creators can. Uh, look at something that's available on Twitter and stuff like that and just go, why not? Like, we've got people, we're talking about the comics already. So let's do some live chat as well. And we can do it on, you know, we can either post it on that and then we can put it up on YouTube afterwards. And you've got this, it's, it's people selling their, their books and like, and it's interesting. And sometimes, I mean, at cons, it can be hard. Like, I'm. I get, I don't, I'm not great at talking to people, so... Uh, I know it's hard to believe but like it's, <laughs> it's sometimes hard to just go to up somebody at a table and get over that awkwardness of wanting to talk about their book but not wanting Definitely. to have to buy it you know like to feel like you have to buy it and stuff yeah. like yeah, that it's- and it's the same for them they don't want people who aren't gen- like they don't want to bully people into sales so like um, that that gives you this another way of approaching it of saying you can go watch this video yeah, you
3: get in the pitch and none of the hard sell. There's none of the awkward, oh, I'll come back later. Like, <laughs> you, you, you can have a take or leave it. And, um, it, yeah, it completely kind of cuts out that awkward middle bit. Um, and it means people who, who can't get to convention because conventions are really expensive. Yes, um, yes. For people to go as attendees and, and as exhibitors, and it just removes all of that um you know if you live somewhere and there's there's no conventions for miles you can just kind of hop on and get kind of a feel for it i went all out i had the convention um stand and banner behind me like like (laughs) i wanted to look like you were at my convention table but i was a maniac in my kitchen just talking (laughs) to the camera for an hour um and loads of people got on board um Gavin Emily, like Gavin set up, like, Emily an did disco and, 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 yeah. and like had like a ball gown and like a tux. <laughs> Nice. Uh, Honestly, the, it's look, definitely
1: worth watching out for kitchen con. <laughs> so, yeah, right.
3: Like, con- Connor Boyle um was draw he drew for an hour and kind of did the whole kind of convention chat that he goes to and he even put like background convention noise that he like, <laughs> found on YouTube. <like>, used- <laughs> like, so people were f- really, finding really fun ways to be like, imaginative and inventive. And if people can see that you've got a unique thing going on or, you know, you've got a funny sense of humor or, y- y- you know, you've got these kind of weird ideas that they can vibe with. Like, you've already made a connection with people out who are out there mm-hmm. who are like, this is my kind of person. Like... I really like what they're all about. So I'll probably like the books that they're creating. I'll check out their webcomic or I'll buy a book or I'll follow them on Twitter. And it's it's just a really good way to connect with new people, I think.
1: Well, that's the thing is that's like awesome. you might watch that and then you do see them at a con and you uh, can at least say, I saw you on there. Or like, you know that they're the kind of people that you might not feel as awkward talking to. <laughs> exactly. Or you've, you've got have got heard about the book already. So you can say, I saw it. It's a... It's, uh, it's an introductory Great, yeah. thing as well. It mm. is, it really is. I mean, yeah, I was lucky because I met Tom because a friend <laughs> knew him. So like I think we <laughs> chatted for like half a d- I think we chatted for hours and then I was like, yeah, that's I think awesome. I should probably buy this. But to be fair, they they it also come very heavily recommended to me beforehand. Like so and that's the other nice thing is that like, you know, um like people have the faith in in merit to sort of say, no, you'll definitely enjoy this. And uh, that's always nice to hear.
3: Yeah. Thanks a lot. Like, you know what I'm like at cons? I'm really, I'm not a hard sales guy. I hate it. It's really um, not. I, we I literally probably... talked
1: for hours and then I was <laughs> like, <laughs> you should probably buy this. Yeah. I'll and he's like, I'm you really don't it. have to. And I was like, no, I will. I'll,
3: yeah. I'll be like, we, we can hang out and talk. You, you don't have, don't feel like you yeah. have to buy <laughs> it. I don't, it, it's, it's awkward, isn't it? I think there's been a thing going around Twitter at the minute about, being nice to people and like you absolutely should be nice to people all the time but I don't want people to buy my book because I'm nice to them (laughs) nice all the time like so so I think maybe sometimes I can be a bit standoffish or whatnot because I want people to buy the book and read the book because they think they're into it and like it and tell their friends and their friends like it I don't like I don't want to even consider that people only like the book because we're friends or they like me or they, they think I'm funny like, I, I want there to be, like, the disconnect between me and the work. Like, y- y- you don't have – like, you can like me and you can hate the book. Or you could hate me and like the book. Like, both are fine with me. Like, I don't want the book to be judged, like, purely by the, a connection with me. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Um, but that's kind of also slightly impossible in yes. the nature of comics because it is so small. But, like, I, I do just genuinely want the book to kind of stand by itself
0: that's a very healthy way to think about it <laughs> you know i mean that and I, i'm an introvert i I know carrie's an introvert i i think rebecca as well as well so it's it, it can be hard to go up to someone in con and so it's it's great to have a kind of a welcoming feel and yeah that obligation sometimes you, you get that with more some creators more than other creators and i'm very happy to hear that it's most like yeah you get it if you want it but you know like Uh, you know, we're here, we're having a good time. That's what's important.
3: Yeah, I think at cons, a lot of creators could benefit from having like very clear price list Mm -hmm. um, on the table and the books out and just letting people kind of pick stuff up, have a look through it. And it's always, I think it's always the most awkward, isn't it? When it's like, oh, this looks cool. How much is it? And it's like, oh, it's really expensive. Oh, I feel like I can't put it down and walk away. Um, It's nice to just know everything up front um, and not have to get into that kind of interaction.
2: Tom, I think that I think the air and the vibe that you're giving right now is really cool because when I've gone to meet creators at cons, they've very there is there's a, a hard line drawn between creator and attendee or fan of the work. And the fact that you're very much like everyone's welcome at the table. You just, you know, you can do kitchen con, you can do this, you can do that. And I think the fact that like And this word's overused, so I apologize, but like that vulnerability of like sharing your resources with people. And like, if I'm doing it, a lot of other people can too, if you want to put in the hard work and do this, this and that. And I think that's really cool because I think a lot of people, I think once they're onto a good thing, like the human part of us is like, I don't want to share it. I don't want anybody else to do what I'm doing because I'm good at it. And I want this to be successful. But the fact that you're like telling us all about it, it's really cool. I appreciate it.
3: Thanks. Like, I'm literally just a comic fan. Like, (laughs) comic is literally just an extension of like everything that I've been into. Like, music, comics. I'm always like, I want to have a go. Like, I want to do it. And I am firmly of the opinion that you know, people make stuff. They're not special. Like, some some people will tell you that they are. Um, but if you just like knuckle down, like, there's no reason why you can't just write a script that you can do like I did. That's all I did um you know meet, a, meet an artist um if you practice drawing like I, I have no doubt you know it's hard really hard but if you keep practicing you, you can draw a comic um, and there's so many people especially kind of in the uk that you know we we meet at conventions and hang out with and, and see that are just kind of doing that and just doing their own thing um and like yeah i i just want anyone to have a go who wants to have a go um like purely like DIY, just do it yourself. You don't need anyone to tell you you can, or like you know you, you can come to a convention, you just do it yourself. I think that's awesome. Yeah,
0: no, totally. That's uh, kind of how we feel too on, on, on this podcast. You know, like you know we're, we're fans of comics. We want to you know express our love, and it's great to do it.
3: Well, the internet's great for that, isn't it? Not mm-hmm. Just you know, with very limited gear, start podcast or webcast. Um, I think. Kickstarter has been like the best thing for comics because I don't know, I wouldn't have been able to do this without Kickstarter Um, and I think like it must have opened so many doors for so many people all over the world to be able to do this and connect with people who are looking to check out new books Um, I don't think there's ever been a better time historically for doing your own thing I I love it It does seem
1: incredibly vibrant at the moment especially in the UK um, with Kickstarter comics I know I've, um, I've made a much more conscious effort during the pandemic to back as many Kickstarters as I can as a way of, you know, giving back a bit. From, you know, like one- I'm, I'm lucky because I've been working at home and I've always worked from home and my job was secure. And it seemed to me that spending the money at Kickstarter was getting the money to people who might not be as, like have their finances as stable as me. Um, but through it, um i've discovered a lot more comics that i probably wouldn't have read like some because i like the art some because i you know i like how people you know i like the the write-up but i or i'd have been like oh i don't know and this time i'm like you know what i'm i'm not buying as many uh, mainstream titles let's chuck it in well, when, da- when
3: diamond went mm-hmm. stopped not doing it over the pandemic i think you were definitely seeing um certainly some of the uk kickstarters were, were getting really big numbers it felt like everyone got like a level up like yeah what, what did joe get on 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 his new one he, he got like an insane, crazy, insane but... 900 backers or something like yeah
1: so worth it but i like yeah yeah
3: but uh, <laughs> yeah and it's going direct to creators so you're cutting out kind of all the middlemen and mm-hmm. letting people just go wild and make whatever it is they want to make without An editor or a publisher saying I can't sell this it's like not your problem you don't have to sell it and of course you get the (laughs) publishers who
1: then decide to use Kickstarter but that's a separate issue yeah we've been
0: very vocal on this podcast about um, (coughs) Boom Studios and Berserker uh, and stuff like that you know so Um, but yeah um, oh and and it just seems like Diamond hates the UK (laughs) even after so I I'm all for it, for it.
1: To be fair, most people do these days. We're used to it. We know. Uh,
0: well, I, I personally love, and Tom, you you are in as you live in a city that I is a lifelong dream to live it or to visit. So, uh, it's
3: very. Very come amazing. on over. I'll show you around. <laughs> I can't Great. remember.
1: what. Oh, I wanted to come and eat some of the... Was it the some, some dish that we were talking about years ago? And I was like, oh, yeah, we'll have to come up to Liverpool. Me and, me and Fee were saying we'll have to come up to Liverpool and eat Wait, it. what?
3: You
2: live in Liverpool? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Breaking
3: not
2: news. A <laughs> I just
3: <Not> found out. <laughs> not as glamorous as you might think.
2: No, I mean, it's... uh We're... I don't know it's uh, we're big LFC fans it's
4: uh okay
2: yeah that's uh <laughs> that's a place that I'm dreadfully uh fearful of flying so we're probably never gonna make it out there but it's a uh, it's definitely a dream get the boat <laughs> <laughs> that's what I I wanted to take the QE too from New York to,
1: uh, <laughs> I mean it's a dream right <laughs> yeah definitely
0: a dream <laughs> As, yeah, we'll get the the big uh, steam tank, kind of like uh, the the old uh, like early 20th century, Tell do, you. do it that style. Be awesome.
1: We need a zeppelin, really. Yeah. Oh,
3: absolutely.
1: <laughs> no, I, <would. laughs> I don't like <laughs> what would,
0: would a
3: zeppelin not be scarier than a plane? Like, okay, okay.
1: But I would oh, like to go in a zeppelin.
3: I, I, I'm with you on that one
2: only if young harrison ford was there to fight for nazis then i'm all for as being long on as you that have ticket, right like, yeah as long no as i have the ticket, no ticket.
0: um well um, i i we've taken all your time tom thank you once again for for joining us yeah. um, thank you for having me it, it, it's been great to talk to you and um where, where can everyone find uh, your work on the internet and and elsewhere
3: So you can go to our web store, which is uh, www.meritcomic.co.uk. That's where we sell all the physical editions of our books. Um, The volume two trade paperback that's just finished on Kickstarter is up for pre-order at the minute. So what happens is um, I'm waiting for the books to come back from the printer and then they'll go straight out to Kickstarter backers prioritised first. The minute I've got all the Kickstarter backers out, then I'll move on to the pre-orders. And once I've cleared all the pre-orders, then I'll change it on the store just to be, uh, you know, general release. You can also download the first issue for free there if you want to check it out in um, PDF and CBR format. Um, You can read all the digital comics over at Comixology. Um, You can follow me on Twitter (laughs) at HighbrowTrash. Luke is on Twitter at Art of Parker and his Instagram is also at Art of Parker. Um, I know he's going to be posting some kind of fan art stuff on Instagram soon. So, you know, if you want to see him do some of the bigger characters in his style, definitely worth checking that out. Um, other than that, I think that hits up most of our social media. Uh, we're on Facebook as well. Um, facebook.com f- forward slash The Man comic. Um, and yeah, um, second volume is going to come out soon. And hopefully we're going to move really fast. To do a Kickstarter for the next issue. So that'll be issue 12. The next story arc's four parts. So that's 12, 13, 14, 15, 12 to 15. That's quite quite a lot of comics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty excited. Yeah, that that is pretty good. cool getting to 15. Yeah. Yeah. Like 10 was pretty wild. Like, yeah. I didn't yeah. really pull that happened. Um And now it's almost. And then like... I
1: guess 12 a big deal because. That's what like, we now I, think of as a maxi-series. Oh, really? A year that's yeah. since
3: 2014. Um, yeah, I don't know. What's next? 25 issues? Is that? Is that the next milestone? I would say so, yeah. Yeah. A yeah, yeah. hundred, though. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. ambitious. We'll see. <laughs> that's, when, that's when
0: you introduce the multiverse or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but, uh, well, no, what well, well, happened. Once <laughs> well, again, thank you. Thank you very much.
3: Yeah, again. it
2: was lovely meeting you, Tom. Thank you for Thanks your for time. Me.
3: Yeah, nice to see you all. Hope you uh, hope you're doing well. With the pandemic and whatnot. Yeah. This is we can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll um, see you at a convention soon, maybe Rebecca.
1: Hope so, yeah. Or a kitchen con, otherwise.
3: Probably a kitchen con, to be honest. I haven't yeah. five yeah. conventions if you had <laughs> into the Um
1: you're
3: going to throw bubble
1: i have booked for thought bubble i will see what happens with the rest but good luck yeah <laughs> <laughs>
4: right.
0: all right take- thank you all right uh we now have our last and newest section of the show um, which was actually recommended by by darcy so we're-, we're gonna do a little bit of it today but i want to continue this conversation uh, throughout maybe a couple of other episodes as well because I think it's kind of important. But this is the uh, round roundtable uh, where we discuss a current topic in the world of comics, uh, and uh, this week or our question is: uh, Do independent comics do a better job representing minorities than the big two? And if so, or not, why and why and how? And uh, who would like to kind of start on on this? Who would like me to start?
2: Rebecca, you um, look like you want to.
1: I think everyone, I think everyone's gut reaction will be yes, because uh, the big two are notoriously slow to change things, and um, but I, I'm not sure what the con. Like, I don't know. Like the, my gut feeling would be yes, and certainly from like the kickstarters and the short boxes of the world. Um, but I think it's hard. I think it's. I think there's. It's generally. There are some, some sort of barriers there that haven't fully broken down and, and yeah. all the sort of crowdfunding has made it a lot easier. But I, you still a, a lot of the Kickstarter is still being done by white guys, with all white guy teams and um, but you know the diversity is there. You sometimes just have to seek out and be aware of it yeah. and, mm-hmm. and try and pull it in. I'm not, I'm not sure image is a huge amount better than the big two uh or boom or like black horse you know they've all got some bits that are better i'm not sure overall until like because i think the problem is the the whole ecosystem of comics is is fairly middle-aged white cis guy
2: yeah definitely Um,
1: from and and that's the readers through to and i think as um the pop you know like now we know that there's a lot more women readers they're not just like hiding in the background like when i was growing up i wasn't hiding i'm very lucky that like all the guys that I grew up with accepted that I read comics in the same Mm -hmm. way as they did like I never really yeah uh, comic shops were a bit snotty but like my actual friends I never got that kind of I mean, now you do like with random strangers doing mansplaining on the internet, or like, oh, I see, you you do a Moonlight podcast. But but you don't know this about Moonlight. Like, I probably don't because like you know, bigger things to do than learn all the stats. <laughs>
4: so, um,
1: you know, like, but I think my gut reaction is the diversity is now easier to find in amongst the non-big two, but also the big two are slowly making those inroads, and mm-hmm. and 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 it has to work kind of in combination because the big two have the bigger influence on the general public reading because they're yes. selling the more comics uh, to outside of, I mean, you know, like, we all know that boom have done like amazing sales on things on, you know, their latest books, but you don't, I don't know how many people outside of the comics community are picking up once in future. Mm-hmm. Um, so- Berserker obviously, you know, like, yeah.
4: yeah.
1: Um, but like, <laughs> Uh, but you know um, that depends on how much Keanu had to do with it, <laughs> rather than just like I mean, he's clearly his idea, like, and and apparently he, he has very firm ideas on where it should go and and bits of the plot and bits of the storyline. But you know, like, but you know, the team is behind that is still not exactly like massively diverse. Um, no, but I I think we're getting there, and it's just like it is that kind of weird kind of balancing act of like but but trying to find concrete examples of it like there were people a few years ago who used to track the gender and race um and lgbt to straight kind of uh to cis and straight makeup of creators as far as you know but you also have to be aware that like you don't necessarily know everything about the creators like yeah. they don't, you know like you're not going to know about hidden disabilities or mm-hmm. even open disabilities quite often because if they're not talking about it, if they're not, if yeah. it's not obvious, then then like, so I think we also make assumptions. I remember um, talking to a creator once who got a lot of hassle about what somebody thought was queer baiting uh, in the comics. Or well, quite, you know, quite widely, people thought were queer baiting, and they were like, "Look, they're just assuming I'm straight."
0: Yeah. Huh. No.
1: And, and it and it made me think, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, because um, they they shouldn't have to come out. I mean, yeah, I think that's just absolutely happened with, with with book Twitter was didn't it with those uh, bisexual author being told they weren't gay, yeah. so they couldn't write for whatever it was, which was ridiculous, and mm-hmm. and they got lambasted as they should, but um but but you know like um, I have a friend who writes YA uh, books, and she said like it's kind of scary because you literally have to come out and say I I have a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. you know i'm jewish i have a wheelchair i'm bisexual because otherwise people will come Mm -hmm. at you for like and and so i i don't know i just wanted to throw that out there i don't have a really point so my gut feeling is yes independent comics do do it better Mm -hmm. um but i don't know how many concrete examples i have of that
2: i have a i have a question and it's going to sidebar a little bit but you kind of brought it up rebecca do you think people in places of power and I will give that I will extend that to someone as an author like who are authors do you think they owe people their story
1: it's it's yeah I I, it's really difficult yeah it really is difficult because it I think social media crowds can be quite nasty oh yeah and I think um I would like them to be able to share their story if they want to yes I agree um, and if challenged that there would be a supportive way that they could put that across like so I, I I, just don't think they should be hounded until they tell but I think if there's a way they could say I have experience in these areas without necessarily having to be specific yes mm-hmm. but unfortunately I'm not entirely sure we're there yet like and, no. that, and yeah. that's because we do have a social media not mob or whatever, I, you know, I I'm, I think you have, it, it's hard. It goes back to the sort of Neil Gaiman, like, Georgia R. Martin's not your bitch article. And it's just like, I, I'd like that to be true, but it's very easy to write that as a white guy, you know, <laughs> and say, like, you know, he doesn't owe you anything. Um, uh-huh. mm-hmm. We're talking about marginalised communities who are hurt and who are desperate for any representation and want it to be done well. So do I it's really difficult. Like I think that I understand why, um, I'm trying to think if there's an example I can give. Um, I, I appreciate if I know a, a character, uh, writer understands things about Judaism, but I think I could probably pick that up in the writing. Mm-hmm. Like, so yes. I'm not sure I would challenge him in the same way as somebody who has to live with chronic pain, um, seeing that being used as a plot point.
2: Yeah, okay
1: um because uh I was talking about a friend a friend about it earlier is that I for six months I had really bad back pain and it changed how I felt about all my friends with chronic pain Mm -hmm. I mean I always got that they were I I never doubted they were in pain Mm -hmm. but I didn't realize how debilitatingly tiring it is to be in pain changed not to just life. you know like it, 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 yeah it changed my perspective you know yeah. like mm-hmm. in the same way as like the minute you think something's wrong with your eyesight you start worrying about what would i do if i went blind mm-hmm. you know like i've been around like i was saying earlier i've been around deaf people a lot um was that a massive eye-opener um even though you think you get it so but do i think they have a, a right to it i don't know i i think it, it's it's you're still talking about a human being, absolutely, and yeah. and we all know that there are writer like a good enough writer does not have to have any of those experiences to write them sympathetically.
4: Yes, and yeah.
1: and they could like so oh, so you know like maybe if a book said that it was written with sensitivity readers, but didn't have to specify in what areas. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe if you say this book was written with a disability sensibility a you know, trans-sensibility, you know, like mm-hmm. of all the things that were covered, but like, so I definitely think that authors should take on board that certain things they could do with at least having a friendly ear or like yes. somebody read through. But um, I, I don't know if, I don't think I could ever say hand on heart that an author owes it.
2: Yeah. No, I was just curious because I'm a huge YA reader. And um, last year, I want to say this was pre-COVID. There was a big scandal here in the states, and I don't know if it ever made it internationally. But there was a writer named Amelia, and I'm going to prono- mispronounce this because I can't say Chinese names well, so I do apologize. But Zhao, Z H A O, um, great wa- great writer, and she had just gotten a lucrative book deal. She was releasing her first book, and it dealt with um, bondage and slavery. So she immediately had social media and Twitter like tear her down because they were saying that she was writing the perspective of um like the black community and their ties to slavery. And she was just like, you know that the Chinese were slaves here too. She's just like, my direct lineage is from like Chinese slaves in Northern California and in the Oregon area. And so she had to like. Share that part of her family history, which I'm sure is extremely painful, because she got her book deal taken from her. Like the publisher pulled her book. It was and like,
1: it's, it's not the first time it's happened in it's YA not. literature. Yeah, and and and, that, and it's that particular. And I think that's why my friend was like so. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I, I want to have a black kid in my book, but I have to like, you know, make sure I've got. Yeah, and it, it's it, like get pretty nasty and um
2: i i bought her book simply because like i wanted to support her when she found a new publisher because i'm like you still have those same experiences and it's just as valid as anybody like any other marginalized communities experiences like she deserves to ha- share her perspective and her voice and i didn't understand like the need to out, <laughs> and the need for it's, her to like, It's this like crazy, I mean, this. it's not,
1: um, it's, it's like I kind of get it and I kind of don't get it. Mm-hmm. It's like I get it, but I don't get the degree to which it gets. Mm-hmm. Like I understand questioning it, but then when it becomes this dog pile, and it's often it's often young women authors who are doing their first, the same with comics, you know, it's often the, the trans author, the trans writers or artists, um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes it feels organized from the comics gaity side. Uh, And it's like, defend this, defend this. We'll make sure you have terrible sales. And, you know, comics we know could generally do better with like mentorships, Mm -hmm. like getting the the old guard to sort of look after the new guard. Because, you know, all these perspectives will only enrich comics. And they have. I mean, look how much we all love the magic fish.
4: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You
1: know, like, this is like fairy tales from a culture none of us are from yeah you know and uh and but we you know and we all know that you can read from any culture and get something out of it um but that's how you know getting now you know like getting and now he's working doing some work for dc and stuff like that but it's just like that's how it all works and it's this very small knit community um and representation hasn't been great across the board, yeah. uh, and it's still not great. But it, it's, it's. I, I, I would love to say it could change overnight. It's never going to change overnight. So, yeah. um, but because independent comics now has this huge Kickstarter side, um, and comicsology, you know, like the self-published stuff on comicsology as well, lest we forget, because. Uh, unlike unlike us, you guys have <laughs> Comicsology Unlimited, so like <laughs> that opens, like, but that opens that. World. I mean, like we have Prime Unlimited; it's not quite the same thing. Like I mean, Kindle Unlimited is not quite the same; it doesn't cover the same comics. That's but what that. I'm saying is, like Comicsology Unlimited and stuff, and the self publication means you you can go and self publish a comic. That so if you're not doing it for the Kickstarter, I want to have um, you know, something tangible and go through all that. Uh, like Tom was saying, all the sort of like printing costs and shipping costs. There is this other way now, is so other comicsology. Um, so I guess if you were to poll the sort of comicsology um, self-published stuff, you'd probably see quite a, a bit of um, diversity there.
2: Awesome, yeah.
1: But I think I think it is getting better. I think more people are seeing that there is. Um, but I think it's literally been in the last year and a half, two years, where you can see that people are realising they can do it themselves and how, and everyone's getting a little bit more confident. Um, I, I I don't know if there's a publisher that's particularly... I mean, you look at, like... Uh, I, I think Vault's trying, but, like, they're mm-hmm. not that many... I mean, it's still a lot of white guys. Um, Valiant definitely is, you know... Um, A bad idea. They got like what one woman,
4: yeah, a book, um, Mm
1: -hmm. and in a. uh, I don't think TKO had that many. You know, they have a couple.
0: Roxanne Gay and yeah, you
1: know, but not a lot though. Yeah, Um, so it's uh, it's not none of them really sort of showering themselves in glory.
0: Yeah, and and I it it kind of backs. Up back, but we kind of mentioned it earlier about the gatekeeping and in and Comics Gate and, and so like that, because um, unfortunately the industry is still largely white and male because of internal issues as well as some fandom issues. And it that it is it is changing. You're seeing a lot more, a lot more color, a lot more diversity in, in the creators. But just like said, I mean. Boombox, uh, which is in print of, of Boom, does a lot of LGBTQ comics. And, but it, it, you know, at the same time, you know, like the rest of Boom is not necessarily has that much diversity in it. And um, yeah, I, uh, and I, I have mentioned this before. I love, the reason why I love media, I love comics is I like to hear I hate hearing myself talk. <laughs> I want to hear everyone else talk. I want to hear everyone else's story. <laughs> and so I love reading like you know books about other people, other cultures, other 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 ways to look at life. And and it helps shape my life. And so it's just it's it's wonderful. And um and I, I don't like that it's not as prevalent. Um, but um you also kind of really reminded me she's not in comics, but Kind of went through a similar thing about a year ago, uh, Jamila Jamil, um, and she she was forced to come out as as queer because the everyone thought she was just kind of pandering to the LGBTQ community and she wasn't, you know. So same thing, and I wonder if there was such pressure on her as well because she is also a person of color, and so I just it, it sucks that that's still in twenty twenty one the that is looked upon as yeah something... and
1: also like you know once once um, someone is successful then they tend to there's a lot relies on them you know like they tend to start them working for all the companies because it's like oh you know and it, and I'm not saying like that. I don't think they really have diversity hires i know comics would argue differently but these are all like companies that if they don't think their comic's gonna sell they don't really care yeah, exactly. you know like, they, they, they they there's very little interest in that but i think uh um because you don't make that much money in comics like if you get five contracts you're gonna take them you yes. know like if you get the work in so that that is taking space from other people like but that's it's not a it's not a democracy in that sort of sense, like they, there's not like oh one comic for you and one comic for you because no one's yeah. gonna live on that. No. So um we already know that most comics creatives have other jobs. A lot of them do anyway. Um And yeah, you know, I don't know. It's it's difficult. I we all I would like love it to move faster. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> one of the only ways you can make a difference is by voting financially. Exactly. You know, like so. I you know I always try and keep uh, keep an eye on team but with that awareness that you don't always know like i have literally no idea of any disabilities that any of the team you know i you know know yeah yeah like if you follow them on twitter or something like that you might know a a few things but um people are much more likely to only mention things like adhd um than than general or they might you know you know they might talk about mobility issues but they're or chronic pain I guess they're the ones that you're most likely to hear about but big but like you know you don't always know everything about people so I think you know like you can you can push for it and I I certainly don't think there's any reason for like having every single member of a team on every single comic in your line have zero diversity like Yeah. uh, yeah that's that's pretty indefensible you because know, um you know we're talking about letterers and flatters and colorists and because and this that and the other and editors and like you know the, the, the comics should get better about that
0: and that's and that's a a, a way to get into comics I mean like Jordi Bollaire started out as a colorist and now she has a few books that she's writing and it's the same you know so Caramania. Just- Yes. Uh,
1: letterer, and uh, you know he's written a few now. So
0: yeah, so so yeah, it, it it's it, it's definitely that we try to to talk about the the colorists and the writers and the kind of the unsung members of, of comic book teams as well because because yeah, it's it's still work and it's still they're still doing a good job and and that is that is a a way to get into kind of a, of, a, of a of a of an industry that has it's hard to break into. <laughs> you know like if you're not a certain type and but um, well so independent comics obviously when it comes to diversity they don't have the the, they don't have the established characters in a lot of senses like you can write about anything or anyone you can create diversity in your comic Um, you can write about about yourself or you can write something that, that you know about in, in, in those, those books. So I think that it's easier for independent books to have a larger voice in, in the community. Um, what I have liked as well is, is, um, writers like Vida Yala and, and Magdalene Visaggio um, that broke out in independent comics writing about You know the the, you know stories themselves. You know uh, you know like and and beautifully done comics, and now have gotten jobs in the big two, Mm -hmm. and the, especially like the X books. Like right now, the the Hickman X X books uh, are the, the diversity there is pretty great. I love it that the the kind of the main you know people. You know, there obviously there's like Jerry Duggan and Jonathan Hickman himself and but you know you still you have like Leah Williams and you have Tini Howard and you know it's it's great and X-Men that is a parable for diversity <laughs> it is a parable for so it's great to have that going on in like a book like X-Men at this time.
1: Yeah yeah and it's I you know it it could always be better but
0: yes you know it absolutely could be a lot better and it,
1: but but yeah like you said i mean you're beginning to see that pipeline um more established for across comics but i think um some of the independent publishers i mean like image there's no real because image the um the team kind of just uses image as a publisher and distributor yes so there's not as much of like image isn't going to and say we would like to up our diversity, it's going to be like it's going to be done through connections and meeting people and individual teams wanting it. I mean, um, you know, so but then there's other ones, I think, you know, Volta trying, um, they have, I know, um, they Alex Packnadal had uh, sensitivity readers for Giga, Giga, whatever, how you, I don't know, Geiger, maybe. Geiger, no, Giga, I think Giga. Yeah. I don't know um for the his man <laughs> um you know like so people I don't know I think I think we're getting there it's just maybe not as fast as we'd like no. I think there's always gaps I mean like you know I'm I'm almost certain that like with everything else um that disability is that one diversity thing that we not forget about mm-hmm. but we it you know, like, we we know about it, but we forget about it as a diversity issue. Um, yeah. Which is kind of interesting, given, given that our comics are often dealing with sort of, like, people with physical powers. But we're all learning more about those kind of... I mean, I'm learning more about that, like, how, how much that impacts people's lives and um, how things like, like comics might be this huge like how different people can approach comics differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also the immigrant community and um, immigrant, mig- like people whose English is not their first language and who've had to go like um, traumatic experiences to move countries or their parents, have. Like intergenerational trauma. I mean, I totally get that. I'm Jewish. Like, you know, we're, yeah. we're like, we have the intergenerational trauma, but it's true. Like, you know, I see a Nazi in a comic. I, there's a visceral reaction. reaction I have um but i get different views about whether or not i want to see that and in what way i want to see that so i mean but but it impacts like uh early you know like um if you're from a community that has been enslaved
4: Mm uh
1: put in internment camps Mm um subjected to years of war like in like Afghanistan and Iraq um, and you have like moved to another country where you're safer maybe day to day but you still have that, that trauma um, and even if you can't pinpoint it yourself you have a different, you are an outsider like um, you know like uh, Superman as the sort of immigrant experience is like is always going to be a very interesting like take compared to Superman as a either Jewish sort of reaction to the migrant experience Mm -hmm. and now more of a sort of Jesus-like character um, is kind of an interesting sort of trajectory, but um, there's lots of things that comics can, because they're very visual, like we all know how how much, I mean, I love silent comics. I think we all Mm -hmm. like really react to silent comics in an interesting way Mm -hmm. and they're very accessible. But you know, we should also start thinking about like, you know, how how people with visual impairments see comics. And um I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Um, I should. But there are things that I should we should all know better. Like, um, but there's there's this whole range of experiences we'd all probably gain a lot from. Mm-hmm. Um and just probably aren't getting out there, but like so, but you know there is progress. And to answer the basic question, I think yes, but I can't. Like I said, I think a lot of it's happening in sadly self-published and Kickstarter. Yes.
0: Yeah. No, totally, and and unfortunately, because you know, the publishers kind of look towards the dollar signs, and and right now the demographics of look, if if readers... you get, if
1: you can get Jonathan Hickman. Yeah. or person who's just published their first Kickstarter. You know, like I, you know, you're gonna get Hickman.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: And um, and at least you know, like, I think that is the model is to get someone like that mentoring, and and making sure there is a bit of balance in there.
0: Hickman handpicked the team that's working on the Xbox, yeah. and and look who he picked. And the, exactly what you were saying about mentoring. It's just.
1: I think Bendis yeah. did the same at DC. Like, yes. you know, he, he brought on teams and decided he was gonna work on Neo, like he was gonna have David F. Walker, yes, create, create Naomi with him. So, you know, like that's that's to me is like that's what the the big names should be doing is like using their power now to I'm not you know, I'm not saying don't write the comics, he's still writing comics. That's, do it, but like help mentor other people give them not even not even necessarily you don't have to give them a shot at, at the big two but like maybe offer to chat to them at cons like yeah. how to, you know like because it's also very hard if you're like doing indies and stuff like that to do you have to do a lot more of the marketing yourself because you're not part of that big machine mm-hmm.
2: isn't that like the problem that we find our society in like for example, like women in STEM careers. Mm-hmm. They're not in there because they don't have the mentorship from other women that came before them. So it's hard to be like yeah. a it's person to of be- color yeah. inside the comics industry because they're so few and far between that they're not there to give the right men, like they're not there yeah. to give you the need, You need
1: this, and you also need to make sure they're protected from harassment. Because that's the other reason women drop. STEM mm-hmm. is because of microaggressions at work I meaning they go okay I'll just go teach yeah and and mm-hmm. that's not saying that teaching is easier than working in STEM that's but it's that I'm like
2: off the podcast
1: <laughs> no because it's, it's totally not but it is a more yeah. supportive no, atmosphere for women um because absolutely. there's more women in it um so uh it's it's that that both sides and, and that's absolutely what we need for yeah. diverse creators in comics is Show them, tell them the business. Somebody to give them bits of advice and make the connections because that's the other thing you miss, and and that's a huge issue during the pandemic. Absolutely, is that the connections tend to be made in at person, cons, at yeah, cons. yeah. And you definitely and and men do it better than women, like mm-hmm. in in general, because they're already part of that. I don't I don't mean better, like no, men no, no, already no. are already in that. There's yeah, a lot of men already in easier that. for
0: them. Yeah. For so,
2: but like. The guys and who sexually harassed all those women in the comics industry they were using the shield of being a mentor right, right and
1: that and that's a huge issue that's yeah. a huge yeah. issue because that then destroys the trust and that's why you need women mentors and yeah. not binary. Um, you know like or to have it as a group so you take away the harassment side Absolutely. because like uh apparently that's the stem thing is that not only are they not being trained and taught that they can do it but the, and you know both from family expectations societal expectations but then they get there they don't have women ahead of them to kind of protect them and so i mean i know i went to a con where um there was a I, I don't want to name anyone because you actually do kind of know the names but there's a young like uh, woman being uh, like, the, there was older women creatives explaining to younger women creatives how to make sure they didn't fall for any of those lines and you're like that's exactly what you want but there's just not enough of them and, yeah and, and like you said then you need the same for uh, every kind of color. Of... and it might be yeah. different for different communities like you know um and and, and disability probably to some extent in terms of sort of how do you how you get the um, people to make the the changes that you need them to make to make things accessible to you
2: and what kind of like fucked up society do we live in where that's what that's like day one <laughs> intro <laughs> trading is like these are the things that could possibly happen to you here's how to avoid them
1: it's, yeah. and, it's and, like and, that. and they're and they're awful they're like yeah. you know yeah. like this yeah. is how to look out for somebody who's trying to con you yeah or get into bed with you it's sad yeah.
0: that it's like oh women this is a to be aware of that like men don't do this and, <laughs> like, and, yeah. in the,
1: and, and in the same way for like LGBT folks mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know there's certainly a lot of uh, predatory behavior there as well oh. you know from from the
0: community as such well yeah it's just people using power in bad ways and it's just mm-hmm. but once you get more voices in there then there's it's it, it, it dilutes the power
1: <laughs> yeah the, once you have the pipeline then then you start getting the whisper network the protective whisper networks which mm-hmm. are like these are the people to watch out for these are the you know and then that becomes a huge exactly. deal Comets gate is that there's a whisper network and they can go do one basically
0: <laughs> so, yeah. there should be like a database basically just a list of people well um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but
1: apparently apparently there was this sort of uh thing called the whisper network it was either discord or slack or a, i don't remember facebook mm-hmm. and apparently it was for like listing these the people you should watch out for and stuff like that and then Comicscape found out about it and blew it into you know oh, they're well, like yeah. making blacklists of men like, like we're that. so like,
0: like we're if the so men weren't behaving upon, like
1: that you know yeah exactly
0: it's so hard being male middle class white oh <laughs> uh, yeah I, uh, but um i see and the thing is too is that we are Fortunately, getting more diversity in characters and like, you know, like Kamala Khan and, and like Sam being Falcon for, or I'm sorry, being Captain America for a while and so like that. And, and there, there is some, you know, backlash from the comic skaters and the other dumb fandom, but that's also enticing readers to read to, that, that would not normally read because now they're seeing characters that, that look or maybe are more like themselves. So yeah, char- I mean, with the diversity of characters now, you you, know, you are getting more diversity in readership. And but the thing is, is that the at the same time we have to create a welcome to the new readership because they're not just going to stick around if it's like oh yeah it's great to see like you know Kamala Khan out there, but it's like but then everyone that also likes Kamala Khan are assholes. <laughs> like it's like why, why, why do I want to read this? So. I want to
2: interject really quick because now we're talking about characters. And Rebecca, feel free to jump in at any point. Um, Growing up, uh, and I would read comics. I'd buy them from the local Circle K. (laughs) That was how I got introduced to comics as a little kid. So I never realized I was different from any of the characters until I got to maybe 10, 11, 12. And then I realized- I, and then I realize, okay, I'm not Batman. I'm not Superman. I'm not Princess Aurora from Disney or whatever. And then you get a character or a toy or something that has the same skin color as you, that has the same hair color and eye color as you. And then all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, she looks like me or they look like me. And then it becomes this big thing where it's like, oh my gosh, it's like, and it's sad because it's something that happens to you. Like, I think as a kid where you kind of go through all of these emotions and you kind of realize that you weren't like these other characters, because now you're very much in the realm of, oh, this particular character looks like me. And now I associate more with them than I do these characters from previous times.
1: Well, like I mean, as an example, uh, Kitty Pride was introduced um, when I was ten. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So here's a character who was a young teen, female, Jewish, openly Jewish, you know, wearing the and David and everything. And I remember like running home and going like, "Look, look, this is Jewish." I, mean, I, I the the sad thing is, I never really loved her power set, <laughs> but it was so exciting that first time to realize that she was, also like almost my age, you know. Mm-hmm. It was just like, and I I think always growing up, I've kind of kept that feeling when people have talked about being able to see themselves in comics. Because mm-hmm. I got that pretty early on. Because That's comics, you really cool. know, yeah, are, I mean, like, look, you know, the history of DC and Marvel has some huge Jewish figures behind it.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: So, like, there was always that kind of, there were Jewish characters, but not, it, it ramped up much more yeah. after that. You know, like, uh, even... So, um, but and there were never many, and they, they weren't always female and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, but I, I'm lucky that I had that.
4: That's really like, cool.
1: At the time when I was really first into comics, I again like we used to get them instead of pocket money. Oh, so, really? Yeah. So my mum used to take us into the newsagent and said to pick a comic each because at least we were reading. Yeah. So and there's three of us, so we'd pick Spider Man. <laughs> and X Men, and then either the Avengers or Captain America or Batman, like whichever. Oh, cool. I mean, like yeah. English comics were a bit like messed up, so you couldn't really always know what you were going to get.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: So, but all oh, Fantastic Four. So, but the first, you know, like Spider Man and X Men were kind of a given. And then it would be whichever other one we found. Oh, and then cool. we're just, you know, like and then on Yom Kippur and stuff when we'd have to stay in synagogue all day, we'd get extra comics to like sit <laughs> at the back and read in, in synagogue. So um like uh it, it was it was, you know, like I've always sort of every time people have sort talked about it, I think back to how I felt then and like going, it should be so easy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. t- if you're saying that your comics are the people like the world around you they should be the world around you yeah and you should have the decency to have like writers or artists or you know like from and I think we're doing better with artists because um, which is a terrible thing to say I I think for the big two anyway they they can they're going around the world now and Mm -hmm. getting maybe people that they don't have to pay as highly which
4: is that's bad.
1: DC. I, I mean, look, you know, I, I don't know if they do or not, or if that's the basis, but it does seem that, like, there's an awful lot of um, South American artists, which is great, and they, awesome. I think that they're they all incredibly talented. I don't want to take any of that away from you. But you do wonder why, like, you know, like, I, I don't know. I don't know. No
0: one wants maybe to.
1: it's, you know, like, maybe they definitely just want some more diversity, and that's a way to do it as well. But, um. But yeah, I think I I yeah, I just think everyone should should have the opportunity to see someone. And that's why you need more than just like one Muslim kid and more Mm -hmm. than one Latina and more than one Mm -hmm. API character, because like they're not all gonna be the right age. Like I was like super lucky that Kitty Pride was like my age, like that they introduced an X Men that young. Yes. Because they mostly weren't. And if she'd been a middle aged woman who was Jewish, it's not it's not the same. Yeah. You know, um. so I think you need to, like, have them across the board. No, you don't necessarily need to have the 60-year-olds. And I'm not <laughs> saying that, all, oh, you know, but, like, you know you're reading audience. You know, like, you yeah, want yeah, to so yeah. get the kids. And, and that is, I think that's probably where the sweet spot is in diversity at the moment is YA comics. Yeah. You know, the OGNs and stuff like that. They definitely have, they, they seem to be, for every publisher across the board, is much more diverse when you go to the YA mm-hmm ones and I I hope Different. that's intentional and that's establishing a pipeline like they they do the OGN uh, or the YA line and then they move up if it's successful or if they yeah. enjoy it or if the editor likes what they're doing um but at least to give the representation at the younger age and then yeah. like move on with it so I think even the big two is doing quite good work with with that
0: that's That's where dc so is very successful in their YA um line uh with like like nubia just coming out and um and then like they had a cassandra king comic they had the oracle they brought they brought barbara gordon back to the the wheelchair and had an oracle comic you know recently and so no totally that 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 is definitely somewhere where like the big two is, is, is definitely beginning to thrive but now look who's and, and it's driving me worn out because the, the person who was ahead of the YA section is now the editor-in-chief of all DC. And so yeah. we are hopefully start seeing that bleed into the regular DC universe.
2: I think that's for Marvel. That I think for Marvel, that's why I loved Into the Spider-Verse. Like, Miles Morales is the fucking shit. I love that kid. That was incredible. Okay, Like, everyone's probably seen the movie. I know it's not independent comics, but watching the movie for the first time, um, seeing his family background, having a similar family background, just, like, hard-working class people, and then I just can't... For every, like, Latin brown kid, that was the most incredible experience to see that. And you, I'm getting teary-eyed, you see the just the family dynamics and you're like, that was my childhood. That was me growing up. That was me in the neighborhood with the kids. Like you totally, you totally vibed off of it. And it's, I don't know, it was just something that I think was so inspiring even as a like a Latina in her late thirties. I was just like, oh my gosh, I, <laughs> had i had him when yeah. i was 10 i would be a different person yeah. now i can guarantee yeah. you that so it was just really inspiring to see that
1: and the thing is it wasn't it didn't stop me enjoying it that yeah. i don't have yeah. that experience and that's what i think people don't understand is that like everyone can take something from it absolutely there is that that you're right there's that honed in like gut feeling almost there's that literal I get this from an almost spiritual sense because Mm -hmm. I understand something about it that other people don't. Like, I just get that slight more... But it doesn't stop anybody else enjoying it. And that's why it's it's a dumb argument to say it shouldn't exist. And, like, you know, know, that's it. And that's the same reason as I kind of stuck with comics, I guess, is because my mum died when I was 11. Mm. And having this whole range of comics where it was almost normal to have lost a parent whereas none of my schoolmates had lost family because it's unusual at that young to like, thankfully it's unusual to have lost a parent that young. So there was something in comics that, that was there. And again, you know, it's like not everyone has that experience of like, and, and they don't dig deep into it, but it's just like, Oh, they did that and they're a superhero. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'll be okay. Maybe I'll get through this when you've had that experience um you no, know, just it, there's something cathartic about reading somebody else go through it. Um, and to know it's an authentic sort of thing.
0: Also, um, when it comes to STEM, and like something like Jeremy Whitley's uh, Unstoppable Wasp, where not only is that book about a group of girls doing STEM, but then look at the demographics of the girls in it. Um, it, it's just very diverse, and very different backgrounds, and very different types of girls. And so, um, I adore that book so much, <laughs> and and I'm so happy to exist because uh, we have, you know, nieces that are younger, and 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 well, at least one of them has shown interest in like the STEM, and, and I'm just like,
1: read this book, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. I guess it, I guess it does flag up another issue i don't know how long we want to go on about this but like <laughs> it flags up and it flags up another issue it's like but it didn't sell yeah oh no.
0: it, it didn't not as much as it should have. not as yeah. much as, i mean because it was canceled, people it was are assholes classes. who like what they like
1: yeah yeah well that's definitely a problem with big two books yeah you know like so but but on the independent side it also you know it still has to sell yeah no, and, you're right. And that's where that kind of pipeline of like all mentorship were like telling people how to use the Kickstarters and how to sell their stuff and how to pitch and how to protect your contract so you're not like selling your rights for less than they're worth. And, you know, just so you can get ahead and and maybe get a leg up. And, and that's where the image model probably doesn't help as much because of yeah. the... But hopefully... Some of these other publishers have more more helplines in, in touch with that because, like, I mean, I can't, I don't get why things don't sell at Marvel and stuff like that, but it's a much wider line. They're always going to be more um, brutal about cutting the chafe, and I'm not saying that about the quality of the book. No. I'm saying that if it doesn't sell past a certain threshold, and they brought it back to life once, but if it, you know, same with yeah. with Iceman. Yeah. Um, had almost exactly the same thing happen to it. Um, they they they're gonna be more brutal about it because they have so many other books. Yeah. So like, uh, you know, like, but that that's why you know, like, you get to tap into the people who want to read those stories. Exactly. And they may not be in the Marvel universe.
0: But, yeah. Once again, why I think does it better because, like, like even in the independent side. Lover um and then Jerry Whitley and Princeless. Like those books have a, a a wide market. And I think it actually boils down to they're more similar to manga. And manga oh, um, I think has a lot wider, at least in the Western uh, in Western markets, has a wider swath to different types of of readers. And so um, and there's a lot of similarities in YA books and and manga books. So I think that's that's a good way to start. And hopefully that'll get into a more wider breadth of comics. Interesting.
1: And it's also like, I mean, look, single issue comics are dead expensive. So like, you know, there's a certain there's certain you need a certain amount of money to, to to be able to spend up to five dollars on something that takes you 10-15 minutes to read. It's huge amounts of piracy. There's huge amounts of and that's yeah. why things like I think Comixology Unlimited, uh, Marvel Unlimited, DC, you know, like we have one called Comic House over here. Um, that's just indie stuff. Um, they're always I, I think you know like that that will be the end. Like when there's that kind of system you can bring more people on and like experiment more because you know it's it's i think a lot of the the younger people are maybe more engaged in piracy than the people like us who have a bit of money and like you know yeah and and then kickstarters are great for that as well um you know like you can choose who you're giving your money to um and stuff like that It's, it's just difficult it's a difficult difficult arena because a lot of money in it
2: Yes, comics the open, has a, and it's yeah, a business.
0: The, yeah,
4: at the
0: end of the day. Yeah, and, and comics has the largest emission price for like entertainment per capita, and and so no, totally. And and I'm glad that there there is kind of like this streaming movement in in comics because of that reason. Because you know, Comicsology Unlimited has some very diverse voices, um, and. And, and and then also you can pick up yeah they're three or six months later than the newest comics but you can still you can pick up a bunch of MC or Marvel and, and what's the
1: one Mark Darcy uses as well it has got a lot of free yeah. stuff on
0: I um, yeah, um graphi- uh, graphite yes graphite
1: yes, graphite. Yes,
0: graphite is awesome as well and, and everyone
1: should check their libraries because a lot of yes. libraries have uh, hoopla in the US
0: mm-hmm. I think and so, so digital checking out of comics and stuff so it's um, definitely just uh, um, and that's the thing is that you have to re- reach all types of audiences and if it, and like you were saying it's four dollars for a single issue 20 pages and then a story arc is five issues long and then there's five months you know of you know like it, it comes out once a month it's something that a lot of people can't do but and you
1: have to order it three months in advance in some cases yes
0: and... exactly which I'm, I'm the the destruction of the diamond monopoly is, is hopefully leading to a, a better ordering system yes. in the future in the, in the direct market <laughs> e- even if diamond sticks around at least they're going to have to change and be more honest because they have actual rivals so um, but so that's that's good and I um, uh, but but yeah it's just and, and the thing is, is that it's just going up um, the price wise per issue mm-hmm. you
3: know
0: and 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 there's the argument that digital should just be cheaper because they're not you're not paying for the 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 pages in the paper. But then what, what does that do to the local comic book shops? I think that might be a conversation. What's it, to it do?
1: To what's it. It do to the creators? You know, like yeah, exactly. It, it's just it's just a very expensive medium because you want everyone to be paid decently, but there's there's not a lot of uh, there's a lot of overheads and not a lot of uh, wiggle room. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, um, I think we've had a pretty good talk about this. Um, you guys have anything else at, at the end you want to add?
4: Mm-hmm.
0: No, I don't think so.
2: <laughs> all I heard today was make your own comics. Yes. <laughs> make your own comics, upload them digitally. We'll all read them. Be
0: your own supporter. Yeah, no, Um. Yeah.
2: I just think that these are important conversations to have. And they're important to have with like different people. So I think it's good that you're bringing these kinds of topics up because I think as someone like myself, who's newer to comics and for any listeners who are newer to comics, these are, these are the types of selling points that we want. I mean, my, my comment earlier of assholes are just people who like what they like. I mean, like that's not to disparage anybody because I'm like that. I like what I like and I support what I like. And it's really hard for me to break some habits of that. So, learning about diverse um, creative teams or diverse characters or cool storylines, whatever it is, that's going to make new people like me enter the arena of a comics fan. And by doing that, we just help create more support for like indie, like someone like Tom. You know we're just going to yeah. be there to be like yeah we're going to start spreading the word about you know kickstarters and all these things so i think it's important to just not educate but just to share information with people mm-hmm. because then anyone can feel like they can become a comics fan and i think that's the end message at least for me because yeah. throughout my adult life i've been treated really poorly at comic book stores and at conventions for being a brown woman so I'm really happy that it's uh that it's changing even if it's just very slowly
1: yeah I mean and and you will certainly usually find less women supporting the local comic store yeah situation because we know what it's like there you know Mm -hmm.
0: my my favorite shops have 10 10 growing up ha- having women as the, the the people running the store and it always has been because it is just a completely different vibe and it's it's more inclusive and welcoming for everyone
4: yeah
0: well i know we are keeping you up
2: yeah it's late you gotta
0: go to bed <laughs> well, so gonna... i think we'll, we'll roll, roll on <laughs> to the uh, to the end here um um so we have reached the end of our show this week first of all uh big thank you to everyone listening to our show big thank you once again to tom um and as well as as rebecca for for joining us today thank you thank you and thank you. Um, and so as for reaching us uh, if you have a question or comment uh, you can send us a uh, an email to at gmail.com. uh even if, if you have a question you want us to uh to to talk about on on here especially this new section if there's a topic you want us to to tackle just let us know um you can follow us on instagram and twitter at cdbpod uh check out our website at comics for all of our episodes and socials as well as a form for our in our contact page uh which rebecca has used to uh, request (laughs) a subject to, to for us to do on a on a future show uh please also give us a review um on the platform that you're listening to us right now at this very second uh rebecca uh where can we can everyone find you on the internet and as well as other podcasts uh, mostly
1: on twitter it's arbitrary genius
0: excellent how about uh, future podcasts or podcasts you've recently been on uh
1: into the night moon night podcast we just recorded its 200th episode
0: nice um, that's awesome
1: that's pretty cool, and I do a DC Animated Universe one. The DC oh, cool! Podcasts. We just going through all the all the films in order, and I know nothing about them, and I'm terrible on DC, so <laughs> it's it's a whole new education for me. That's fun.
0: That's, that is awesome. It's a good good different perspective as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah it's it's uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's just an eye opener. Like, I've watched a couple, but really that's it. So. that's um,
0: uh, How about? Carrie, what's the best way to get a hold of you?
2: Mm, I'm an internet stalker, so (laughs) I will find you first, loyal listener. (laughs) That's usually how it rolls. But if you have any questions for um, the newest and brightest star on this podcast, you can always get a hold of Brian via the (laughs) Instagram page. And I lurk on his phone too, so I'll definitely respond.
0: Email comics is our better at gmail.com as well. You know, it's a good place to get us. Darcy, um can be found at in twitter at uh, books and books underscore serial as well as on her other podcast which can be found at uh, books and serial.wordpress.com and i am on instagram sometimes at brygen underscore cb and on twitter at brygen 2814 so uh all right for uh carrie rebecca and darcy even though she's not with us right now i am uh i'm brian and this has been the comics Sister- are Better podcast. Remember, comics deserve better, and everybody deserves comics. Good night, and see you all soon. Bye. 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 Oh, I might have to cut <laughs> out my freak out. I mean, I'll, I'll probably put the Lorky the freak out at the end.
1: Little beans oh, for paws.
4: Beans
1: That's my little baby. Oh, my, little my 13 God. year old. She's, not oh. baby. she's our oldie. Oh, she's, she's awesome so cute.
4: <laughs> yeah. so-
1: she's too little to get picked up by the camera when she walks in front of the computer. Oh, so. oh. she's just about to do it now. Look, you won't see a thing. There you go.
0: Oh, it's <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's so jo- cute. Johnny's sulking behind the camera right now. Yeah, so. he's not getting <laughs> enough
2: attention. Yeah.
0: Uh, so.